0: Hey, I'm Caleb Howard, and this is Tales from Sacred Texts, a religious folklore and Christian theology podcast. Here, we discuss stories from the Bible, the Apocrypha, and the fine line between myth and history surrounding various belief systems. We take on the stories in a sarcastic and humor-driven way that doesn't take itself too seriously, but still shines a light on the principles and ideology behind the stories and their origin. Today, we're going to be doing a serious story on one of the most hated characters in the Bible. Judas, and we'll see why Judas thought it was such a great idea to betray Jesus, and why Peter's betrayal of Jesus was not nearly so bad as Judas's. Like, have you ever wondered why Judas has been a household name for the past 2,000 years? But Peter seemed to move on from his betrayal fairly quickly. When I started to write this episode, I had been fairly opposed to putting my personal opinions in the opinions of other Christian authors in this podcast. Now, I've shifted the aim of my podcast to encompass both the stories and the way they are interpreted— slash affect other people's beliefs. So it should come as no surprise that this week's story is going to draw heavily on my personal opinions and those of Christian authors, ones that I believe are compatible with the narrative pushed forward in the Bible. If you have any questions as to what is explicitly in the Bible, you should read the story of Judas for yourself. It's very short and to the point, while this podcast is going to be a lot of elaboration. I initially abandoned this story due to the amount of personal opinions I was using in it. Now, I'm picking it back up again for the same reasons. We'll take the chance to examine the man who knew Jesus Christ personally, and then decide it was a great idea to kill him. If you grew up in the United States, you probably know the names of at least two famous traitors, Benedict Arnold and Judas. If you grew up in a Christian-majority country, you probably know at least a little bit about who Judas was. Even his name has become synonymous with treachery. Except for a couple Gnostic Gospels and a few people who want to be edgy, Judas is universally hated, but how did he go from trusted disciple to traitor, or was he ever really trusted? Those are some questions we'll look at today. So without further delay, I'm going to get into the story. looked furtively around him and then slipped another gold piece into his pocket. He felt a twinge of guilt, but he stifled it. He fed the poor. He did good things for people. He followed Jesus. Without him, these poor country bumpkins would be in charge, and what would Jesus do? He deserved a little bit of payment for his services. Judas smiled and closed the lid of the money box and handed it back to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, and somehow Judas felt that he knew what he had just done. But Jesus didn't say anything, and neither did Judas, so Judas turned and walked away. Surely, Jesus wasn't as all-knowing as that. As time went on, Judas indulged in bitter thoughts. Jesus was unwise to refuse the popular uprising, attempting to crown him king. Jesus should have accepted the rich young ruler into their company. Heaven knew he needed disciples with wealth and means. These thoughts ran through Judas's head because he was greedy and he craved power. He thought that joining Jesus, the great prophet, would be a gateway to all of that. But apparently, he was wrong. But it wasn't until the feast at Simon's house that Judas dared speak up. That prostitute had spent 300 pieces of silver for some perfume that she had just dumped on Jesus' feet. Judas was disgusted. Jesus didn't manage money well. His disciples didn't know what they were doing. They were clueless. He was the only sane one here. If they had just sold the perfume, Judas thought, he would have been able to take some of the money. But that really wasn't the point. Judas didn't think that this was a good look for his master. What would happen if the news got out that Jesus got expensive gifts from prostitutes? Of course, Jesus didn't care. He seemed to love everyone, no matter how filthy they were. But this just didn't look good, and they really needed the PR. Already, there were people who were trying to kill Jesus. He needed to gather supporters— and fast if he was going to remain with any sort of power and influence. Somehow, Jesus never got it. Instead, he continued to say divisive things and push people away. I mean, one time they were about to make Jesus king, and then he talked to them about eating his body and drinking his blood. Like, what? You can read more about that in John 6. Judas had been really exasperated that time. He'd been part of the group that had tried to make Jesus king, and despite his attempts to go under the radar, somehow, Jesus knew. Jesus had called Judas a devil at the end of that fiasco. Judas had seethed, but inside he knew what he was doing was wrong. Maybe for a few days he had tried to check his greed, but in the end his desire for money and power won out and he forgot the words of Jesus. Judas was smart too. He didn't think like all the other disciples. In the Bible, all the other disciples called Jesus Lord, but Judas always insisted on calling him Rabbi. He was a little less dramatic. More forward thinking. He was different. His refusal to fully accept Jesus as Lord made him different in another way. Jesus would often call out each of the disciples for doing things that were stupid, ridiculous, or just plain wrong. The disciples, while maybe offended for a brief time, always worked on improving that part of themselves, and over time they became more like Jesus despite initially being very flawed people. In contrast, Judas didn't listen. The criticism was not meant for people as smart as himself. Thus, Judas never changed. He stayed the same as when he had met Jesus. Well, almost. The constant rejection of good and tolerance of evil made him more susceptible to the evil. The exposure to Jesus, without acknowledging him as Lord, made him more likely to see Jesus as only a man, and the more he heard Jesus talk, the more annoyed he felt. We'll find out why he was annoyed, but that will be right after this. What really exasperated Judas was when Jesus kept saying he was going to die. I mean, none of the disciples liked this, but it was particularly irritating to Judas. Jesus was supposed to become king, and Judas was going to reap the rewards. If Jesus died like a dishonored criminal, Judas would lose out. Even the continual repetition on Jesus' part that he was going to die would hit Judas' reputation rather hard. Unless. Judas had to think about it for a while. It was a ridiculous idea. But the more he thought about it, the better it sounded. Jesus kept on saying that he was going to get crucified. He was probably showing off. Well, why not put it to the test? He would betray Jesus to the priests and rabbis. Of course, when they came for Jesus, Jesus would decide that he didn't want to die after all, do a miracle, and save himself. In his fantasies, Jesus would thank Judas for betraying him and kick-starting him on the path to greatness. Jesus would put Judas at his right hand to place those two imbeciles, James and John, had begged their mother to ask Jesus for. Typical basement dwellers. And while he was at it, Judas would even get paid. In his heart of hearts, Judas knew that this wasn't how things would work, but he dismissed the feeling. It may not be the right thing to do, but it was what he really wanted to do. He convinced himself that in the end, everything would work out. So, he contacted the priests. The priests were delighted to hear about Judas's desire to betray Jesus. Not out of any love for him, nobody ever wants a traitor in the camp, but because of the way they could use him. Judas was blind to all of it. He was making a cunning move here. He was forcing Jesus, who was too humble to take power himself, in between a rock and a hard place. The man had the choice to die or work a miracle to save himself and take power, and he definitely was going to choose to take power. What man would willingly allow himself to be killed, crucified no less, Judas questioned to stifle the misgivings in his heart. The priest's offer was less generous than he thought. Only 30 pieces of silver, it wouldn't go a long way. Yet he supposed since his main goal was just to teach Jesus a lesson, 30 pieces would do. All he had to do was wait now. Betraying Jesus during the feast wasn't really an option, at least to the priests. There were too many of his followers in town from the rural areas like Galilee. Instead. They'd wait until some of the followers cleared out of town, then they'd kill him. Judas went back to the disciples, undetected, or so he thought, but Jesus knew. But then, Jesus came to town with all his supporters and the priests got so triggered that they couldn't even wait until after the feast. They were killing him now. They contacted Judas to let him know they were moving up the plans. The priests contacted Judas pretty soon. Jesus had come back to town with all his supporters and the priests had gotten so triggered that they couldn't even wait until after the feasts. The plan to betray Jesus was on. The night before he was betrayed, Jesus said that he knew one of them would betray him. The other disciples looked around anxiously, wondering who the traitor was in their midst, and Judas pretended he didn't know who it was either. Jesus didn't expose Judas' intentions to everyone. Instead, when John whispered to ask Jesus who it was, Jesus whispered back that it would be the next person after himself to dip his bread in the dish. And Judas did just that, dipping his bread in the dish right after Jesus had, unknowingly sharing his intentions with John. Jesus, of course, knew all along. So when Jesus told him to go and do what he had to do, Judas shakily left the place with the eerie feeling that Jesus knew absolutely everything. The other disciples, except for John, were puzzled. What was Jesus asking Judas to do? Surely, Judas was going to go give money to the poor. The other disciples were so blinded to Judas' true character that not a one suspected that he was on his way to betray Jesus. It was late in the evening when Jesus and his three closest disciples found themselves in the Garden of Gethsemane, They stood there as a dark figure approached, leading a mob toward Jesus. As the mob grew closer, the disciples realized with horror that it was Judas. Some distance from Jesus, Judas separated himself from the mob. He ran towards Jesus. Are you okay? he asked worriedly. Greetings, my teacher, Judas said, and he kissed Jesus, showing him honor. My friend, what are you doing here? Jesus asked. It was a simple question, but it was pointed and piercing. Judas knew now that Jesus knew his thoughts, and Judas retreated back into the mob. With this retreat, his choice was symbolically complete. He rejected Jesus Christ and chose personal gain in the mob. Meanwhile, the mob saw his signal. Jesus Christ, the man they had sought to kill for so long, was in their power. That's the signal! Seize him! the mob screamed. Peter drew his sword and lunged at Judas, but he found the ear of the high priest's servant instead. As the night wore on and more torture and abuse was heaped on Jesus, the truth dawned on him. Jesus was going to die. He had been telling the truth. Thoughts of what the others would do to him started to flow through his mind. He was definitely not getting the honor he had expected, that was for sure. Judas began to despair. He wanted some way to take his betrayal back. Not because he truly loved Jesus or saw the evil of what he'd done, but because he feared the consequences. He'd made the wrong move, and now he was paying for it. He begged the priests to take the money back and let Jesus go, but they refused. Judas was nothing to them now. They'd gotten their use out of him. The betrayal was his responsibility. Judas, in a panic, hurled the money at them, but it seemed to do nothing. Judas... Now realizing there was nothing he could do, decided that his fate was complete. He went to a deserted field, made a noose, and tried to hang himself, but he even failed in his suicide attempt. The rope broke, and he fell to the ground, wounding himself and bleeding out, dying sprawled there in disgrace. Contrast the story of Judas with that of Peter, the other disciple who betrayed Jesus. Unlike Judas... Peter wasn't motivated by self-love and a desire for power. Peter's aim was to serve Jesus. Judas's aim was to get what he could for himself. And that's what made their betrayals so different. Just a few short months before, Jesus had called Peter Satan for telling Jesus that he would not be crucified. But Peter proved to be teachable. From that day forward, Peter began to learn that the road of service to God was the road of suffering. He listened to the lessons Jesus taught him, and day by day became more like his teacher. Yet Peter did not understand everything, and he was still impetuous and impulsive. He bragged that he would never deny Jesus. He truly meant every single word he said, but he wasn't aware of how cowardly he still was. He thought that he knew what would happen when push came to shove, but he didn't, really. And instead of listening to Jesus' warnings, warning him that he was not as strong as he thought he was, Peter was convinced that he would remain a loyal follower of Jesus, even if it meant his death. Peter truly loved Jesus, but he foolishly misestimated his own character. He thought he was brave, confident, and unafraid, but he was still impulsive, careless, reckless, and cowardly. Peter needed to realize what kind of person he actually was before Jesus could help him more. And Jesus tried, but it is often not until the most trying times that we truly know ourselves, and Peter had to go through a trying experience before he realized the truth about himself. While Jesus refused to listen to any of Jesus' warnings, Peter tried his best. Peter kept trying to move in the direction of being a better follower of Jesus. And well, as I said earlier, he wasn't as good of a person as he thought he was. Jesus never held this against him. Jesus knew the tendencies of the humans who followed him and how far they still were from God's ideal. But he knew they would grow there in time, even if they did make mistakes. He only prayed that his disciples remained humble, teachable, and ready to learn. He prayed that they realized more why they needed God, and he prayed that they saw that they could not be strong enough to resist evil without him. Peter was sitting by the fire. Jesus had been taken. There was rumors that he was about to be crucified. Peter was terrified. He didn't want to suffer the same fate. So when a servant came out and accused him of being a disciple of Jesus, he denied it vehemently. A little later, another servant saw him and said the same thing. Peter again denied it. A third servant came up to him a few minutes later. Listen here. You're from Galilee. You have a Galilean accent. But everyone there is known for having a foul mouth. You aren't using a single cuss word at all. You must be a follower of Jesus. Peter cursed. Did he have to say this again? With cursing and swearing, he denied Jesus. Just then the rooster crowed. Remembering that Jesus had said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times, Peter looked up in shock. He had done the very thing that he claimed that he would never do. He did the very thing that Jesus had known he would do. Peter was horrified with himself. He had thought he was brave, not a coward, but now he realized the truth. He ran from the crowd, weeping bitterly. When he returned to Jesus, he was a changed man. Peter the coward had become Peter the brave. There were times he still lapsed into cowardice, but his disposition had changed. He was no longer the same person. Peter no longer trusted in himself because he was the person who had betrayed Jesus. In contrast, Judas thought that he was a good person, but things had just happened to work out against him. He had been shrewd, cunning, and wise, but life was against him. While Peter had initially also thought that he was a good person, his betrayal changed everything. Peter realized that night that he wasn't so great after all. He a little scared and he was willing to betray his best friend. Peter wasn't the person that he thought he was. Jesus was right. He had known everything. From that night on, Peter stopped relying on himself and started relying on Jesus and his words. Peter is hope for all of us who mess up. Peter actually betrayed Jesus, but that's not what he's really remembered for today. Peter realized what was wrong with himself, and he relied on Jesus to help him change. And while his actions are written down to encourage us, Jesus never viewed him any different than the others. And one day, Peter faced his fears with courage and confidence and gave his life for Jesus. He betrayed Jesus, but Jesus forgave, and Peter changed. Judas is remembered with horror and hatred. Judas never asked for forgiveness. He never realized the full magnitude of what he'd done. Instead of accepting that he was a terrible and flawed person within, he used death as his escape rather than to face the cold hard truth. Jesus was right and he was wrong. The downfall of Judas is a warning to us all. Someone who is near Jesus for so long But who indulged his sins just a little bit, ended up betraying God. Arrogance and selfishness poisoned Judas until he became fully and completely evil. It's dangerous to hold on to any sin for too long or we will become so corrupt that we love our sin more than we love our savior. Instead, we need to be humble and teachable like Peter. While we might make mistakes, we must continually strive to be more like God, because that's the only way we will realize the problems with our character before our plans and ambitions crumble around us. That's all for this week. Next week, we'll be doing the story of Job, and we'll watch God wreak havoc and destroy a man's entire life. Wait, that's not the story of Job? It's not, and you'll have to wait until next time to figure out why the people who assume God is wreaking havoc and destroying a man's entire life are completely wrong with their assumptions. The story of Job helps to answer the age-old question, why do bad things happen to good people? It will also help all of y'all look at your lives just a bit more positively when you see the absolutely horrible things that happen to our protagonist. Credits to myself. Caleb Howard, for script writing and theme music. Special thanks to Anchor Podcast for providing the transition music, and to all my amazing supporters for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, leave a review, and most of all, share with your friends. All of you wonderful listeners is why I continue to produce new content. I appreciate all of you so much. And that's it. I'll see you soon.